Wilson, and this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Wisco Sports Show, 96.7 FM, 580 AM, or maybe you're streaming live, WKTYsports.com. However you're listening, wherever you're listening, thanks for tuning in. Hope you're having a killer day. I am your host, Grant Bills, and Wisconsin Sports fans, come on. Come on, everybody. I know you got to be having a good day today, right? What a night last night. The Green Bay Packers, uh, well, they squeak a win out. We'll leave it at that for now. They squeak a win out with another magical brilliant fourth quarter performance from Aaron Rodgers to squeak them out over the battered, the injured, and, well, to be completely honest, just not that good, San Francisco 49ers. Brewers getting a win in Game 3 against the Dodgers. Is it feeling real, Brewers fans? Is it feeling real? I don't know if it's sinking in yet that the Brewers are actually this far, that they are playing in in this important of a series against this good of a team with this high of stakes. And they got it done last night, shutting out the Dodgers four to zero. Yolish Shasin, what do you say? What, do you, what more do you say about this guy? What more do you say about this guy? Very similar to Aaron Rodgers. There's, we've watched him do it for this long. Shasin all year long has been having outings just like that. I don't remember the last time Shasin gave up a run, and I'm going to knock on wood as I say that. But he's been he's been fantastic, just like the rest of this Brewers starting rotation has been. And the Brewers climb up to a two to one lead. Against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Unfortunately, they did lose on Saturday. And for those of you who were on the bus trip, uh, headed over to Miller Park, thanks for coming along. I had a good time with all of you. Miller Park was electric. I wasn't at game one. I'm sure it was very similar for game one. I'm sure it was equally electric and equally exciting. Uh, probably more so after the fact, seeing the Brewers actually won in game one. You don't get to take in an environment like that very often. So thanks to everyone who tagged along on Saturday and, and made that experience such a blast. Uh, we Obviously, we have a fantastic show today. We weren't on the air yesterday due to the Brewer game, and we weren't on the air uh, late last week either because of the Brewers. Uh, and you know what? I couldn't care le- I could not care less. I, I just, I couldn't. Because if the Brewers are playing, I want the Brewers, I, I want, I, screw my show. Who cares? Let's listen to the Brewers. Let's watch the Brewers and let's follow them as long as they go. And we're talking about both that and the Packers. I want to start with the Brewers today. We'll transition into the Packers. And I want to hear from you as well at 608-796-2558 on the five-star telecom talking text line. You can also get a hold of the program and me on Twitter, both at WKTY and at Keystroker Grant. That's my personal Twitter account. Uh, A story of redemption last night. Not to get all fruity. Uh, but uh, a story of redemption for a couple of players. Last night, redemption for Jeremy Jeffress as he gets the save. It was a four-run deficit, but the uh, I believe the uh, the constraint or the requirement for a save situation is that the tying run come into the on-deck circle. I could be wrong. I'm 99% sure I'm right on that. Well, the tying run comes to the plate in the ninth inning last night, and Jeremy Jeffress... Gets a shot at redemption. Struggled. Gave up a couple of base hits. Gave up a four-pitch walk to Yasiel Puig. But it looked like after that four-pitch walk, something came alive in Jeremy Jeffress because a couple of pitches later, a couple of batters later, he did this. Jeffress on one and two. Got him! Struck him out looking. Milwaukee wins it four to nothing as Jeffress gets into and out of trouble. 
And the Brewers are up two games to one. Craig Council showing some stones, folks, last night. Some stones. Bringing in Jeremy Jeffers, who has looked shaky at best so far in this series. Shaky at best. Goes to him last night. Gives up a couple of base runners. Now, Brandon Woodruff was warming, but I'm pretty sure that was Jeffers' inning. Ends up getting a flyout, a strikeout of Yasmani Grandal, and then strikes out the pinch hitter Brian Dozier looking. Redemption for Jeremy Jeffress last night. Much as with Mason Crosby last night, who gets a chance uh, because of some Aaron Rodgers heroics on offense and some brilliant catches by Equinemius St. Brown and Devontae Adams. A good run by Ty Montgomery puts them in position for the game-winning kick of Mason Crosby. Now, unfortunately, I really don't know what Joe Tessitore was doing last night on Monday Night Football. Uh, I do have the game-winning call of Mason Crosby's field goal. It's pretty simple. Not a whole lot to it, but here you go. With so many pressure kicks, and now this. You can hear the crowd reaction, but there's no... And it's good! There's no, and he punches it through. There's no, Mason Crosby back to form. There's there nothing. There's just, he just let it breathe, which I guess on TV you can do. But it does make for great replays on a radio show the next day. A story of redemption for both Jeremy Jeffers last night and Mason Crosby. Both players uh, getting another crack at success. Both come through and both help their teams to wins. Now, if you were just watching the Brewer game last night, and I'm sure we have a couple listeners who were, we had the, uh, the luxury of having two TVs. I brought brought an extra TV out into the living room. And we were streaming the Brewer game. We were listening to the Packer game, watching both. Uh, I did do a Facebook Live video on our WKTY Facebook page last night. If you don't follow our page, if you don't like our page, what, what are you doing? Throw it a like. And uh, you can get a, a lot of good content through there, including I like to hop on sometimes with Facebook Live, as does Scrady, and just check in with you guys uh, on yesterday night. Checked on at halftime of the Packer game. Talked a little Brewers, talked a little Packers, and it seemed like the majority of people were were much more focused on the Brewers, which myself personally, if I'm being honest, at the time I was as well. I was dialed in, I was locked onto that Brewer game, and I was going to worry about the Packer game after. Now, if it was the case where you were watching the Brewer game, you watched it right up until the end, and then you flipped the switch and you switched over to the Packer game, you, you missed um you missed some lackluster play. You missed some subpar play by the Green Bay Packers, and you caught mostly the good stuff, but we're going to talk about it all today. Now, as the Packers head into their bye week, We're going to take a look forward at their upcoming schedule. If you have not looked, if you haven't peeked ahead of the schedule, it's it's a murderer's row coming up after the bye week. But the Packers do have two weeks to kind of decompress, to take a deep breath right before they embark on that uh, that stretch of very difficult road games. And I don't want to say lick their wounds, but it wasn't exactly the start that they had hoped for and dreamed for. Losing some games to some inferior opponents. Uh, and and not playing very well, wasting some opportunities as well. If you if you think about it, the Packers could very easily be a one-win team right now. They could have, and some may say should have lost to the Bears in week one. Now they, in on one hand, could have beat the Vikings and should have beat the Vikings, but then flip, flip the card around at the end of overtime, definitely should have lost. Those are two wins you can take off the board. Lost to the Redskins. Lost to the uh, the Lions. You beat Buffalo, but didn't look great. And then he very easily could have lost yesterday. This could be a one-win Packer team at this point, which would be terrifying. But the win yesterday keeps them alive, keeps them afloat, and uh, gives them a chance over the bye week to not be in panic mode. It just simply put the nose down and know that they have work to do. So we'll talk about that coming up later on in the show. Packers, we can take a little break. We can we can focus on the Brewers, which, to be completely honest, is fantastic. Because the Brewers right now deserve attention. They deserve our love, and we're going to talk about them today here on the Wisco Sports Show. We'll get to Packers later. We're, we're not completely ignoring the Packers. 
That would be silly. But we are going to focus on the Brewers here to start. And I want to hear your thoughts as well. 608-796-2558 on the five-star telecom talk and text line. Coming up next, I want to talk about two of uh, the heroes of yesterday's game. For the Blue Brewers, including the winning pitcher, the starting pitcher, Yolis Chassin, who who had another gem of an outing. <laughs> and Orlando Arcia as well, who hit his third home run of the postseason. The third home run for Orlando Arcia, matching his season total from the regular season. And isn't that just isn't that just wild? It's what baseball does. So Brewers win, Packers win. We're talking about it all coming up. But first, let's head to the five-star telecom talk and text line. Caller, Brewers win, Packers win. You got to be feeling good, right? Feeling great, except for I had a heart attack in the ninth inning for uh, the Brewers game there. I, I really don't know what Council was thinking, but we pulled it out. So Council brings in Jeffress. He's been struggling. How would you have managed that? Would you have liked to see Hayter finish the game, or, or is there a different pitcher you would have liked to see? I would have done two things differently. I would okay. have kept Knable in another inning because he was just lights out. And then when they brought in Soria for one batter, he was also doing well, and I didn't see a need to put in Hader at that time. And then if I needed to, I would have brought in Hader in the ninth inning because Jeffress was only pitching on two days rest, and he kind of blew the last one. So that extra day rest is probably what he needs at this point because his arm looks a little little weak because he's been, been used a lot and in some stressful situations. So Brewers are up 2-1. to one. Are you feeling good about the rest of the series? I'm feeling good. It puts the pressure on the Dodgers. And I have to say, I think, uh, I hope Grandel continues to play because he's really helped us in the two games that we won. Um, I know the fans are riding him. I don't think he's playing tonight, but um, it'll be interesting to see how tonight's game goes. And it'll be interesting to see how our myriad of pitchers will pitch tonight because I have a feeling Council's probably going to use three or four or five pitchers again. And, and if we're ahead, you're probably going to see Hader again, which I love it when he comes out there. They just don't know how to hit him. Yeah, he's he has looked electric, and they are starting Barnes tonight. I cannot wait for the rest of the series, and I can't wait to see what Hader and Knable and the rest do. Awesome call. Let's keep that up. Let's keep that up today. Good action on the five-star telecom talk and text line. Thanks for chiming in, and don't just be a one-time caller. Be a friend of the program. Be a contributor to the program. So I thank you for your thoughts. I think a lot of people worried about Jeffress last night. Council showing some insane stones, and, and what you made mention of, you wouldn't have brought Hader, and you would have saved him. And I and I think that point is interesting because if Hader would have been in the in in the bullpen, if he would have been available to go, and Council brings out Jeffress first, so essentially Council says, "All right, we're going to bring Jeffress out, and if he doesn't get the job done, we have Hader waiting in the wings to clean up the mess." Now, that comes with risk as well because now you're burning. You know, you're saying you got to clean up the mess, which takes more arms than maybe just dealing with the mess efficiently right away. If you understand what I'm saying, but going to Jeffress with no ace left in the in the pen. Knable already used, Soria already used, Hader already used, and Corbin Burns uh, not getting up last night. It was actually Woodruff who was the arm who was seeing action when Jeffers was struggling. Ballsy move by Council. It pays off, and hopefully they get some more conference, or excuse me, confidence out of Jeremy Jeffers coming up in the series. We're going to continue to talk about the series. Brewers got the lineup uh, released for tonight. We'll also talk about that coming up. I want to talk about Orlando Arcia and Yolis Shasin both coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. On the warning track at the wall, it's gone! It goes the other way. It's 4 nothing Brewers. Take that, California. How does that sound? It's the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. State of Wisconsin taking it to those hippies out west in California last night. Beating the Niners and the Dodgers. Orlando Arcia right there hitting his third home run of the postseason. His 
third home run, matching his season total from the regular season. Now, granted, he spent a lot of that down in the minor leagues. I shouldn't say a lot, but a good portion. But that was due to the fact that he couldn't hit, let alone hit home runs. Orlando RC last night, just a couple of numbers. For those of you who, who, who maybe weren't paying attention and really don't understand what Orlando RC has been able to do, 119 games played in the regular season, three home runs. And in the postseason, three home runs in six games. How do you like that? 608 796 2558, the five star telecom talking text line. We're talking Brewers and the fact that they jumped out to a 2 1 lead in Los Angeles last night on the road, although it did not look like a hostile environment. I don't know what you guys saw, but it looked pretty quiet. It looked empty there at times. Three home runs in six games. And what's, what's fascinating now is you start looking at the, the Brewers, because let's face it, the Brewers don't go to the playoffs very often. The all-time Brewers franchise postseason home run leaders. Prince Fielder with four, and then there are three players all with three. Orlando Arcia, Paul Molitor, and Ted Simmons. And the way Orlando Arcia is playing, and he's getting the start tonight at shortstop. We'll get to the rest of the, the roster later. Uh, he might hit another dog shot tonight. Who knows? Who knows? Orlando Arcia continues to hit the ball well here in the postseason when they needed it most. And, and hitting in the bottom of that lineup, what a good bat to have. What a great bat to have in the bottom of your lineup. A guy you can rely on to. Now, he struck out yesterday on some high heat. And he did strike out. I, I will give him that. It wasn't a, a flawless day. But a pretty good batter to hit in the 8-hole. Or at least he has been of late. Another pitcher, uh, or another player, I should say. I don't want to say he was the unsung hero of yesterday. But maybe of this Brewer season. The one man remaining in that starting rotation who was there on opening day. And Yolish, that's Yolish Yassin. Another another tremendous outing yesterday. Five and one-thirds innings pitched, zero earned runs, six strikeouts, and two walks. Now, Walker Bueller went seven innings, but he gave up four earned runs, eight strikeouts, one base on balls. Now, if Shasin went seven innings, maybe he's surrendering a couple runs anyways. I think that's what Craig Council is trying to avoid, getting his starting pitchers out of the game before hitters start to get a good read. Before I want to talk, I do want to talk exactly about that and Craig Council's managing style. I want to compare, Fox put up this fantastic graphic yesterday. And for Brewers fans who have been following along and being talkative and being involved in the conversation about how this Brewers team was constructed all the way back to spring training, about who, what is this starting rotation going to look like? How are you, how are you going to field pitchers, right? You will know that there were names like you, Darvish, Jake Arrieta, Alex Cobb, Tyler Chatwood, all pitchers who were out there in free agency who were going to command a lot of money. Myself and many others included all wanted the Brewers to go and get one of these guys. Wanted David Stern to go out, dump some cash to help solidify that starting rotation. Well, Fox putting up this graphic yesterday during the game, and I'm, I just I want to sum it up for you. So essentially, it's uh, of the notable free agent additions for pitchers from last offseason, included Darvish, Ariata, Cobb, Chatwood and Shasin. The most notable from last year was probably you, Darvish. He was given six years, $126 million. Cubs fans, you know about this. Only threw 40 innings this year with an ERA of 4.9. Not great for $126 million, right? Jake Arrieta, three years, $75 million. Threw about 170 innings, ERA of four. Not bad, but, you know, maybe not the guy you were expecting when you paid him $75 million. Alex Cobb got $57 million for four years. 150 innings, 5 ERA. Chatwood, three years for $38 million. The Cubs shelled out 126 for Darvish and 38 for Chatwood. Neither one were very good. Chatwood, 103 total innings pitched 
and an ERA just over five. But the star of the night and the most notable, the most successful on the best team so far has been Yoli Shasin. Two-year contract, only $15.5 million, just short of 200 innings pitched and an ERA under four. How do you like that? Yoli Shasin, your ace right now on that Brewers staff, although Wade Miley's been pitching with ace stuff as well. I don't know that you need to put a label on it. He's just been tremendous. He has just been tremendous. I want to talk about starting pitching and the way Craig Council has managed it just for a couple of minutes here. And then, of course, I do want to transition to some Packer talk at some point. If you want to get in on the discussion, 608-796-2558, the five-star telecom talk and text line. Something last night was pretty interesting. Orlando Arcia, first of all, uh, it's fascinating, right? We watch the Brewers every day, or, or at least some of us do. I try to watch the Brewers every day, and, and we see them down on the field. We don't hear them talk very often. So you, you see a guy like Jesus Aguilar or Orlando Arcia or Jonathan Scope, for example, and you see them you see them play every day. You might never hear them talk, and then when you hear them talk, you're a little bit taken aback in, in, because their, their English can be so broken, right? They're, they have such a heavy accent. And it's funny because you see them every day, and you're not expecting that, right? And Orlando Arcia, I didn't even know until about two days ago, he doesn't even speak English in interviews. He goes through a translator. Or when Sophia Menard does interviews, of course, she is so fluid in, in Spanish that she conduct, conducts those interviews on her own. Now, to be completely fair to Orlando Arcia, he hasn't been interviewed a whole lot. He has not been the star of very many games. He has just been an important cog in a very good infield uh, without really any flash to swing the bat. So yesterday when he was finally interviewed, going through a translator and then, of course, going through uh, Sophia Menard, which I think is super cool. And, and now I finally get some of the talk of Jesus Aguilar being that bridge between the Spanish-speaking and the uh, the English-speaking members of that clubhouse, and that can't be underestimated. Orlando Arcia going through a translator last night talking to uh, to Ken Rosenthal, and Ken asked him, look, Orlando, you got three home runs this postseason. That matches your total for the entire regular season. What what changed? And he talked about, you know, how his approach, he, he's seeing the ball better. He's he's doing better at reading the pitcher and being patient and, and selecting his pitches to swing at. Ken Rosendahl actually asked him specifically about his home run last night, and the answer was fascinating. This is what Orlando Arcia said through a translator, so it's probably paraphrased, excuse me, slightly. He basically said, look, I, I, it was my, my second at bat against Bueller. He had multiple at-bats, and he said, I, I took a couple of things from the first few at-bats. I got a read. I, I picked up on some tendencies, and I was ready for what he brought me, and I just took the pitch. It was almost like a seeing eye hit down the right field line. He just took the pitch and went with it. But in other words, he knew what was coming. Because he started to read pitchers better and read pitches better, he was able to take those first couple at-bats, one of which was a strikeout against Walker Bueller, save a couple of those things upstairs, and then when he took the plate again later on in that game with runners on base... He remembered, all right, I got to look for this. This is a tendency that I have to be familiar with. I got to remember to look for this pitch because he had seen him multiple times, right? That's exactly why Craig Council manages the way that he does and has managed the way that he has managed throughout this postseason. That's the exact situation he's trying to avoid. So Brewers fans, I know we have been complaining about the national coverage on Fox, not only on FS1 and their postgame show, but about John Smoltz and Joe Buck hating on the Brewers, you know, you know, trigger-happy approach to pulling starters before they they really start to struggle, correct? We saw Wade Miley get pulled from Saturday's game, and he looked just about as well as any Brewers pitcher has looked all year. Pulled him a little sooner than I think most Brewers fans would have liked to see. Yesterday, that might have been the case with Yoli Shasin as well. I think Council would have allowed him to finish that inning, but the, the, the runner who was on base, due to an error, not necessarily Shasin's fault, said, all right, you know, that's it. 
We got this game in hand, and we're not going to risk letting it get away by leaving a pitcher in to get roughed up. And because Frank Thomas and uh, uh, who else is on that show, Big Poppy and A-Rod, they're all talking, look, I don't like what Craig Collins, he's going to wear out his bullpen, he's going to wear out his bullpen, got to ride your starters. Well, last night, Dave Roberts rode his starter, rode him into the seventh, rode Walker Bueller all the way into the seventh, and Orlando Arcia put a dong shot in the right field seats because he had recognized tendencies, because he had started to get a read on what Walker Bueller was dealing last night. And it only takes one pitch in these close playoff games with great hitter hitters and great pitchers on both sides. It only takes one mistake. It only takes one mistake. Brewers fans, you saw it on Saturday. It's what Justin Turner did. It only takes one pitch. And Craig Council shuffling the pitchers through and preventing any batter from seeing a pitcher more than twice helps minimize that risk of exactly what happened last night. And that was Orlando Arce saying, yeah, I had a read on him. I, I had a good read. I saw what was coming, and I went with it. I was ready. And, I, and I'm almost thinking, man, I hope those people on Fox are watching because that's exactly what Craig Council or why Craig Council does what he does because of what happened to Orlando Arcia. And same thing with Justin Turner on Saturday. You let a starter go a little bit too long. It only you, it only takes one pitch. Now, of course, that wasn't a starter on Saturday, but it only takes one pitch, one mistake pitch, and that can be the difference in a game. So you minimize the risk. You pull the starter, and you get a different pitcher in there, and now all of a sudden, the hitter's got to start from square one, and you really make a earn it against some of the best arms left in this playoffs out of the Brewers' bullpen. When we come back, we're going to transition to Packers talk. Look, we got to love what Aaron Rodgers did. We got to enjoy it. We got to appreciate it. But there are some underlying problems to this Packers team, and I want to discuss it with you coming up next. 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talk and text line. I hope to hear from you on the other side on the Wisco Sports Show. I'm your host, Grant Bills. You're listening to WKTY. Wisco Sports Show rolls on. I'm your host, Grant Bills. we got to get into some Packer talk. Because as exciting as the Brewers was and were last night, and they will continue to be all throughout the NLCS, don't forget you can, of course, hear the Brewers tonight. First pitch, 8.09. Pre-game about 7.30. You can hear it right here on WKTY. Uh, we go to the phones, the five-star telecom talk and text line, as we transition into Packers talk. We got Nate on the line. Nate, what are you thinking about last night's game? Well, last night's game was leaving me, um, as I called it, disgustingly pleased, just because obviously you're happy, was coming out with a win, but at the end of the day, the team just did not look good the entire night. The defense in the first half was probably the worst I've seen it play all season long. I mean, they've had their moments where they might get gassed uh, during certain aspects of a game, or they just, yeah. you know, it takes them a few drives to figure a team out. But last night in the first half, it seemed like they were just getting simply manhandled by the San Francisco offensive line. C.J. Bethard. C.J. Bethard. C.J. Bethard. Like an all-pro. Yeah, and uh, I believe they, they showed this stat on ESPN. It showed him against the Blitz. At one point, it was like 10 for 12, 182 yards and two touchdowns. Something, you know. It was bad. Something crazy like that. Yeah, it was really bad for the Packers. But for some reason, in the second half, they just turned it around. And that's good. Like, I liked what I saw in the second half. They started getting stops, started making plays. Kevin King came up with that huge interception to uh, give Aaron Rodgers the ball back at the end of the game. But the halftime adjustments, as good as they are, I just don't understand how they can't put together a full game of that. Like, does, does Mike Pettin not game plan heading into a week? <laughs> I, I'm starting to be concerned if, if either one of their coordinators or their head coach starts to game plan. I Look, Nate, I was I was so frustrated last night. Shouldn't, shouldn't this Packers defense, look, 
I didn't even know, other than Matt Breida, I didn't even know who the other running back for San Fran was, and he went off for 87 yards. I believe it's it's pronounced Most, Mostert. Mostert. Do you do you know how to say it? I, I couldn't believe they were getting gashed by the run the way they were. Yeah, no, I have, even I had no idea who that was outside of Matt Breida, and I still honestly don't even know who it is. But, yeah, I mean, they, I, I believe I saw a stat. It was like 5.6 yards a pop for the Niners running the football. And when you've got a front line, Kenny Clark, uh, Mike Daniels, uh, forget names. Dean Lally, I saw him out there a few times. You bet. Those guys should be getting a good push. Those guys should be out there. You, you shouldn't be rushing the ball five, five or six yards of carry against that defensive line. God no, God Big, no. Safety play. I don't know. It's been pretty suspect <laughs> all year, but I mean, offensively though as well. It seemed. I thought tonight, or I thought last night was the night they finally put it all together. For a while, it looked like they did, and then it kind of got stagnant. But then Rodgers does, you know, Rodgers things. I mean, we're just so lucky that here's our quarterback, and we get the witnesses over and over again. Because if number 12 is not shooting up for the Packers last night, they don't win that game, I don't think. No, I don't. I don't think the offense gets out of that little mid-game funk that they were in. And some of those throws you made, some of the touches some of those receivers made, like I think you mentioned Equinemia St. Brown, that catch he made along the sideline was unreal. That was a great catch. It was a great adjustment, great catch. And then, obviously, Devontae Adams was just a monster last night. I mean, it was good to see Jimmy Graham get going. The running game, I thought, was, you know, it did all right. Started Aaron I Jones. To see Started Aaron Jones out I there. Loved to, yeah, I would have loved to see Aaron Jones more, but that's besides the point. But, I mean, a win's a win, but it's just one of those that could have been a lot better, I thought. The win is definitely a win, and, and I'm going to take it. Nate, thanks for the phone call, and uh, don't don't be a stranger. I feel creepy telling that to people when they call this show. You know, you call once. Don't just think you're in the clear. You know, you can call anytime. We can talk anytime. So, Packers, uh, 608-796-2558, the five-star telecom talking text line. The, uh, the phrase of the day so far regarding the Green Bay Packers, disgustingly pleased. I think disgusted by just about everything except for Aaron Rodgers. What I don't get is the Packers just squeak one out 33-30 to 30 last night at home against the 1-5, and five, the, the now 1-5 San Francisco 40, 49ers without Jarek McKinnon, their number one back, and without their quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I, I don't get it. They came into this game, and, and they looked good off the bat. I don't know if those were scripted plays or, or what caused them to look good right off the bat. I don't get why they went into a funk in the middle of the game, and then I don't know... I mean, until Aaron Rodgers just started doing Aaron Rodgers things, it looked like there was no scheming or, or no no offensive direction on how to get the offense clicking in the second half once again. And everything that I heard this morning when I turned on the national national stuff, I, I watched a couple segments of First Things First with Nick Wright and uh, and Chris Carter on FS1 this morning, and and everything they had to say was you needed you needed peak Aaron Rodgers to just barely steal a win at home against the 49ers. And look, I'm not I'm not offended at all by that by a Packers fan. I think that's a really good take. I think that's an accurate take. They needed 110% magic Aaron Rodgers to just barely beat the Niners at home. I think that's a fair take. But everything that I heard through the national coverage, and I, and I think this is fair, but th- this is why it, it confuses me about Shanahan, about Kyle Shanahan, and how give him a couple of weeks to scheme and he will get you there. You're telling me that Kyle Shanahan is that much better of a coach. He is exponentially more better. Better, not more better, just better. Exponentially better than Mike McCarthy. That the Packers can have the advantage at essentially every position on the field on offense. 
Just about every position. Tight end, yeah, I like George Kittle, but Jimmy Graham's better. They have a, a healthy stable of running backs, which is something the Niners can't say. And the wide receiver, yeah, they have a speedster in Goodwin, but they don't have Devontae Adams. You're telling me that Kyle Shanahan is that much better of a coach than Mike McCarthy? That it took 110% magic from Aaron Rodgers to just barely beat him? He had C.J. Beathard. Shanahan's that much better at coaching than Mike McCarthy. Because if that's the conclusion you draw, and that's the reason for San Fran playing so well and almost beating Green Bay on their home turf on, on national TV, then that's the only that's the only fair conclusion, right? Is that it's because of Kyle Shanahan and he is just simply that much better than Mike McCarthy, which I think is pretty pathetic, to be completely honest. I know he's a, a second-year head coach, but he, he was on his backup quarterback. He was They're down their number one running back. They're handing the ball to one guy he'd never heard of before. And their one receiver, yeah, Goodwin is a speedster, an Olympic speedster, but isn't speed, if, if that's his one thing that he leans on, isn't that a pretty easy thing to scheme for? You just say, all right, don't let him get behind us. We'll deal with whatever, whenever, but just don't let him get behind us. There you go. I, I just, I, I do not understand how Mike McCarthy, and look, this is the conclusion that I'm drawing based on what I hear about Kyle Shanahan and the box score that I'm looking at right now. It's the only conclusion I can draw because Aaron Rodgers started the game pretty well, finished the game pretty well. He missed a throw or two in the middle of the game, but last night, 25 of 46. By the way, they threw the ball 46 times. Threw for 420 yards, no interceptions. He was sacked three times, which is an otherworldly. But they didn't have a, a ton of rushing yards. Not a ton. 116 combined. I mean, Aaron Jones for 41. Aaron Rodgers was their second leading rusher, which you never like to see for 34 yards. Most of that coming on, on one run of 24 yards. Jamal Williams, 30 yards. Ty Montgomery, four carries for 12 yards. Uh, 14, he did end up with a, a rushing or a, a long run of 14. His grand total being brought down by a, a tackle for a loss. But Aaron Rodgers didn't play awful. I, I don't think he played a, the most complete game, but Aaron Rodgers played pretty darn well at home. <laughs> and they still almost lost to the Niners. And for the next two weeks, and I said this at the beginning of the show, I'm going to enjoy this win. And Packers fans, I think we should sit back and we should appreciate what Aaron Rodgers just did last night. But for me, in the back of my mind, and I know in two weeks that that, that what we saw on defense last night, that's not going away. Unless they get healthier at wide receiver, I, I don't know if their offense is going to get any more consistent. There's some problems with this football team, and they're problems that I don't really understand. And that's why... That my mind and, and the way I'm thinking about this, I don't see them going away. I don't see it getting better and coming out of the bye week. Well, let's just look at the schedule for the Green Bay Packers. They got to go to New England. They got to go. They come out of the bye week, go to Los Angeles, to New England. Then they're home against the Dolphins, who just beat the Bears the other day. And then they got to go to Seattle and to Minnesota. <sighs> you couldn't beat the Redskins. The Vikings at home, you should have won. You almost lost to the Bears. You look like crap against the Bills, and then you lost to the Lions. You barely beat the 49ers, and now you expect me to think that you're going to beat either the Rams or the Patriots. I think if they win one of those games on the road, it's a it's a huge success. You still got to go to Seattle, to Minnesota. You host Atlanta at home, and that team's owned you for the last couple of years, albeit all those games have been down in Atlanta. Why should I think this is going to get any better? And like I said, I'm going to enjoy this Aaron Rodgers win. I'm going to appreciate what he did last night because it was magnificent. He looked untouchable in the in the last five minutes of that game. And I think that's sometimes when Aaron Rodgers is at his best. But I think some of those statistics were in part to 
The Niners playing with a lead. They were going to let them do a couple of things on offense that maybe they wouldn't have otherwise if the game was tied or if the Niners were behind. And that maybe allowed that Packers offense to get out of its funk and get a little bit of momentum going. And, and look, I play flag football, and this is going to be a really lame excuse, but me and my roommates who have played flag football together here at UWL for a couple of years, and, and we've always been watching football. They played football in high school. I did not. But on offense, and, and this is talking about the 49ers, or on defense, once you go conservative, once you take your foot off the gas, it's really hard to get back into gear. And I guess that goes for a lot of things, right? That goes for baseball. That can go for basketball as well. Once you start to coast, and once you start to go prevent, whether on offense or defense, and you give the other team momentum, and you give them hope, and you give them light, it's really hard to say, okay, hold on, let's let's dial it back in here. It's hard to get momentum back in sports, and I think that played a little bit into the Green Bay Packers' success in the last five minutes last night. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is an Aaron Rodgers, but last night's game is full of concerns up front and on defense. Let's not even get started on the defense. 608-796-2558, the five-star telecom talking text line. I think McCarthy got his ass out coached last night by Kyle Shanahan, and not by a little, by a lot. By a lot. You give me Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy Graham, Devontae Adams, David Bakhtiari, Aaron Jones, Mercedes Lewis, who is incredibly undervalued, and some talented younger wide receivers as well. I'm I'm gonna if I'm a head coach, I'm gonna, I think I can I can do okay with that. Kyle Shanahan had C.J. Beathard, uh, Marquise Goodwin, George Kittle, and you know, and a half a deck of cards, and he rolled out a game plan that knocked Green Bay off the off the back of their feet. Put them on their back for most of that game. And Aaron Rodgers dug them out. McCarthy got outcoached. Got outcoached, outschemed, outplanned. I don't know. But now with two weeks going into the bye, they need to come out with their best stuff on the other side. Because if the Green Bay Packers continue to play sluggishly in the second half, they're not going to make the playoffs. You think I'm kidding? I'm not kidding. The Chicago Bears are for real. That defensive front is monstrous. The Vikings are a good team. And you know what's scary about the Vikings is they haven't even played their best football yet. The Lions are starting to now figure things out which means they're not going to be a pushover, even though you already lost to them. If the Packers don't play better in the second half, they will not make the playoffs. Because not only is the second half of their schedule exponentially more difficult, but now other teams who have been slacking in the first half of the season are now actually starting to get it in gear. And they're going to be even tougher in the second half. And the Packers didn't take advantage of their easy first half when they had some opponents who were playing down and out, like the Lions, like the Vikings. The Redskins, you're on the road. What do you do? We can can burn the tape to that game. But that was unacceptable as well. At at LA, at New England, at Seattle, and at Minnesota. Four of your first five games. Good luck if you play like that, Green Bay. Good luck. Now I'm going to take a break for two weeks. I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to start being, uh, I'm going to stop being mad about it. And I'm going to focus on the Brewers. And that's what we're going to talk about to close the show. Wisco Sports Show back in a minute. Final segment coming up. I want to talk Brewers and their lineup as they take the field for game uh, game four tonight in L.A. You can hear that coming up later on WKTY. I'll get you my thoughts, uh, my predictions as, as obscure as they might be, and the starting lineups tonight as well as we wrap up the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY, 96.7 FM, 5.80 AM. However you're listening, thanks for uh, hanging out and being part of the show today. I am your host, Grant Bills. Brewers, game four tonight with the Dodgers. Before we get into the lineups, before we start talking about the remainder of the series, i got to share this with you. This was uh, tweeted by USA Today Sports just about five minutes ago. 
Uh, I saw it because it was retweeted by Tom Hodricourt, the Brewers writer for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. <laughs> You're going to get a laugh at this, so hold on. I, I, we were talking about uh, Orlando Arcia earlier and how he has really become kind of a, maybe the X factor isn't the right word, but how important has he been and, and what's the word I'm looking for? He's been icing on the Brewers' cake in, ter- in this batting order. Do, do, do you understand what I mean? The Brewers have been fine without him, but ever since he's been hitting the ball like this, that offense has been, they, they're scoring runs. All right, and, and earlier on in the year when the Brewers were rumored uh, by going after Manny Machado, a lot of Brewers fans wanted Manny. I still think Brewers fans would take Manny yesterday. And, and keep in mind, Machado approaching free agency at the end of this year. This is the quote from after the game. Los Angeles shortstop Manny Machado says being Johnny Hustle isn't his cup of tea. Says he's not going to be the one to hustle down the baseline or anything like that. Is he actually, does he know he's going to be a free agent at the end of this year? Does he want people to like him? <laughs> Being Johnny Hustle isn't his cup of tea. That's actually said my job interview here at uh, at the station two years ago. That's it. That's what I opened with, actually. I said, eh, I'm not really, a, <laughs> not really the Johnny Hustle type. I'm probably not going to be on time. I'm probably not going to do great work when I'm here. It's just not my cup of tea. What the hell? What? You're a guy who's chasing uh, hundreds of million dollars here in a free agency contract, and that's the quote that you're going to put out there after you've already been shown to, uh, I don't know, not play that well in the postseason. You have a um, a play yesterday that cost your team an out, cost your team two outs, actually, uh, because you slide into Orlando RC at second base for interference, and then you've you've already been you know caught for not hustling down the baseline so far this postseason. You're just saying, hey, Johnny Hustle, not really my not really my cup of tea. Maybe Orlando Arcia is uh, not a bad shortstop after all, and uh, he's been he's hasn't hustled down the baseline every single time, but he's had a, an incredible postseason so far. So I'll take it when we can get it. Brewers dropping their lineup for Game Four tonight. Like I said, first pitch is coming up at eight oh nine. It's going to be a late one, so uh, so grab a cup of coffee, grab a sandwich, and sit down. We're staying up late tonight, and uh, and we'll have a good time. They did release the the lineups. Let's go through it now. A surprise player. On the roster tonight, or not on the roster, but on the lineup, rather. Uh, let's go through it right now. Lorenzo Cain, Christian Yelich, and Ryan Braun hitting 1-2-3 in center, in right, and in left field. Aguilar hitting fourth at first base. Moustakis hitting fifth at third. But at second base tonight, Jonathan Scope gets the start at second. He's barely played at all. Um, and they're going to give him the start tonight. Uh, why not? Manny Pena starts at catcher. Uh, and then Arcia and Gonzalez, Gio Gonzalez, rounding out the order. Arcia. Hitting eighth. I guess, he, why would you move him up the lineup? He's been doing great where where he is, and he's been able to clear the pitcher's spot a couple of times by just putting the ball in play and getting on base, which uh, which if you can clear the pitcher's spot, especially in those early innings, is vital. So tonight, the Brewers are going to have Shaw able to come off the bench. And, and to be honest, and to be fair to Travis Shaw, he has been playing incredibly well. He's been hitting very well, including that triple yesterday. Um, but Travis Shaw doesn't exactly hit specific pitchers really well. So maybe you start scope and you say, we're going to save Travis Shaw for a matchup late in the game we really like. And, you know, he probably needs a day off anyways. So what a better time. Get Jonathan Scope in there. Maybe you strike gold and he has a great night. Maybe hits for a bomb or two. Uh, gets a couple hits, you never know. And if not, you have Travis Shaw on the bench, which is a great luxury. And you can actually get him in in a matchup that you find favorable for him, which I think is important with Travis Shaw. Uh, so Kane, Yelich, Braun, Aguilar, Mustakis, Scope, Pina Arcia Gonzalez. We'll see how many innings Gio Gonzalez goes tonight. Look, if he's getting outs, I wouldn't mind seeing him go like three innings. His last start uh, in the opener was incredibly short against the Dodgers. Now, however, uh, Corbin Burns has only pitched once in this series, and it was on Saturday. He should be fresh. 
So you have a, a an important piece of your middle relief. Junior Guerra pitched on Saturday and looked good. Another portion of your pitching staff which could contribute in middle relief should you need it, should you want it, if Gio Gonzalez goes short tonight. And Brandon Woodruff available as well. They've already talked about the possibility of Wade Miley going on short rest tomorrow. They haven't released him as a starter or as a name. They haven't made that decision, at least publicly. But that all factors in the decision as well. Um, so we'll see how far Gio Gonzalez goes tonight. And look, Brewers fans, just a note, just a note for our health and for our sanity. Let's just forget about what the people on Fox are saying. Let's just just ignore it. Just who cares? Your team's winning. Enjoy your team winning. Don't dwell on, you know, the national media hating on your team. You have a lot of people in your local media and in the Milwaukee media who are working their tails off to give you good coverage and good content with this Brewers team. Big Poppy, the Big Hurt, they're getting paid no matter who's on who's on TV. You know what I mean? You got a lot of people who are writing and covering, including Dave and Scrady here in the morning, Bill Michaels in the afternoon, myself here from 5 to 6. We love this team. We know that they're a good team, and we understand this team because we've been watching them every day for the last four months. Don't dwell on the people on Fox. Come and let's foster some positivity. Let's foster some excitement about the Brewers rather than actually complaining. Now... <laughs> We have the right to complain when Joe Buck messes up a name because that's just embarrassing. Uh, you're in the National League Championship Series and you're a multi-million dollar uh, sports broadcaster in Joe Buck. When you say a name wrong, yeah, we're going to laugh at you. We're going to make fun of it. And I'm all about that. But in terms of, look, I know all the four people on the Fox preseason or Fox uh, pregame show last night picked the Dodgers. I don't care. I don't care one bit. All of the people on Monday Night Football picked the Niners or picked the Packers to win last night too. And they they essentially lost that game. I mean, they played bad enough to lose that game. Predictions mean nothing. Just don't dwell on it. Just don't dwell on it. Oh, man. Uh, pre-game tonight getting underway at 7.30 right here on WKTY. First pitch at 8.09. So we'll be staying up late. Don't worry. I'll be staying up late as well. Dave and Scrady, they get the hard job because they actually have to be up early in the morning. Very early. I got a, a more, an email from Scrady the other morning at like 5.55. I was like, Scrady, I, I'm not even out of bed yet and you're sending emails. You're being a professional at 5.55 in the morning. So uh, keep those guys in your thoughts tonight as they uh, burn the midnight oil and uh, and get prepared for their show tomorrow. Uh, Bill Michaels as well, like I said, will be talking to Brewers tomorrow afternoon. And tomorrow, the Brewers will be getting underway earlier at about, uh, at about 3.30 here on WKTY. So we will not have Eye on the Eagles with Mike Schmidt tomorrow. We will not have the Wisco Sports Show, but in fact, we will have the Brewers. Uh, which is preferable to me. I don't know about you. I love hosting the show. I love talking to you fine people and interacting with listeners and sharing ideas and, and stories about sports. But if the Brewers are playing in the playoffs, I want to hear it, and we'll have them tomorrow. The pregame gets underway just shortly before 4 o'clock. I'm actually going to be here for the game. So uh, I'll be bringing you some coverage. Maybe I'll hop on Facebook Live. We can do a little bit of a chat in the middle of the game. So the Brewers, game four tonight, they look to take a commanding lead and uh, would be ideal because you don't really want to go into a high-leverage game up against Clayton Kershaw as spotty as he has been at times, if the Brewers could win tonight, they can take a 3-1 lead, knowing that, yeah, even if Clayton Kershaw throws a no-hitter uh, in a couple of nights, you go back to Milwaukee with two opportunities to clinch. You're feeling pretty good. So tonight's game is huge. The lineup one more time, Kane, Yelich, Braun, Aguilar, Moustakis, Scope, Pena, Arcia, Gonzalez. That's your starting lineup, which means not only is Shaw available off the bench with the likes of Domingo Santana and others, but uh, Curtis Granderson, uh, just to name a few, Eric Kratz will be on the bench. You like a couple of the players that you got on the bench tonight for the Milwaukee Brewers. So that's going to do it for the program today. Don't forget, uh, we have tickets for the World Series that we are uh, in the process of giving away. Should we get there? We already sold out our bus uh, our bus trip for the World Series, sold out in a matter of 90 minutes. So anytime we're giving anything away, 
You can find it at WKTYsports.com. Also, we're following local playoff action starting this Friday night. Um, actually starting earlier on in this week. So for the full schedule and the full lineup of all the games that we're carrying and all the teams that we're covering, make sure you're checking WKTYsports.com because all of that con- con- content excuse me, is going to be there and you don't want to miss out. And we have a lot of good options, not only ways to listen to the game, but to stream the video as well. And all of that starts at our website, WKTYsports.com. Thanks to those who contributed today on the Five Star Telecom Talk and Text Line. A lot of enthusiasm for the Brewers. Council's been pushing all the right buttons. We hope that continues tonight for Game 4. First pitch at 8.09, pregame at 7.30. Go Brewers, enjoy the night. Same time, same place. We'll be back Thursday for the rest of the Wisco Sports Show this week. I will talk to you then.